Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and with my legal colleague, Liza. Today, I just wanted to uh, talk about parenting arrangements after separation, and to some extent, parenting arrangements after you've been through all of the legal um, nonsense that sometimes we see. So it's more about what does life look like after separation, but but with our particular legal um, experience in there as well. So when I'm, I'm thinking about, we've worked out what the arrangements might be, so what, what does that look like? We have to decide all sorts of things for children when, they, when we've gone our separate ways as, as parents. So it's The first thing is, who do they live with? How, do, how does that sort of get worked out usually? So you've got, um, if you've, hopefully you've been able to reach an agreement with each other and working out what's going to be in the best interest for your family. Um, best interest of the kids, I should say. So we need to make sure that the that whatever arrangements you might have, children with special needs, there might be parents who work, there might be um, fly in, fly out workers, there might be shift workers. You just need to try and work out more of a practical, from practical perspective, um, where are the chi- the kids actually going to live and what's going to work for you uh, and your family. So I think that's really important that it's very much more about thinking about the practicalities, mm. and not as children as sort of barterable possessions you know yeah, it's, it's people think that they've got this right oh it's my right i'm the mother i need to have the children it's they're my kids um well yeah they're dad's kids too and really let's just focus more on the kids and see how we go there yeah the kids are saying i've got two parents and i mean that's actually what the family law act says isn't it unless there's yeah. a risk of harm then the best interests of the children are to have meaningful relationships with mother and father it's literally what's in the act so it's usually a good idea, if possible. You don't have to like your ex, but you're going to have to be, you'll always be the parents of your children together, whether they're under 18 or not. But when they are children, when they are little children and, and school-aged children. Well, you've got to realise that you've moved from that adult relationship that's over. Um, you don't have that same relationship with your ex at that point, and, but you've, you're just about to start this new relationship called a co-parenting relationship. So it does have to, you have to, just understand and accept that that is a new part of your life. Yeah, let go that that private, intimate, personal relationship yep. you had with them as a partner. Yeah, you might hate their guts and think that they're lazy and whatever else, but that part is gone. Yep. You don't need to focus on that anymore. Just focus only on the co-parenting. And maybe try and see that person from your children's perspective, yeah. from their point of view. They're still their mum or they're still their dad. And you're doing your kids a disservice if you are, you know, really critical of them especially in front of the children or or unpleasant towards them kids pick up on these things so working out where they live is usually kind of a fundamental question between mum and dad and sometimes you might need the help of you know, some guidance around that either through lawyers if you have to or through counsellors or through dispute resolution services from people like relationships australia or your own private counsellors um, but always having that pragmatic view where is my kid going to go to be sc- going to school? What, what's their friendship groups? What are their social networks look like? What are their before school, after school needs? What can I do? What does my job let me do? Mm. Those are things that the, the parents need to have a serious think about and, and a chat to each other about. Hopefully, 
directly with each other and failing that, you know, through an intermediary. Yep. Um, I think that, you know, if you if you can reach that agreement and get it formalised into a parenting plan or a parenting order, then, you know, uh, it, for the most part, I prefer to have those plans as a, as a backup. So, you know, again, working on that co-parenting relationship rather than focusing on the adult relationship that is now ended, yeah. you know, push that aside. And there are courses you can do, aren't there? You know, post-separation yep. parenting courses. And you know, people might be resistant, saying, oh, I don't need to do a course, I'm a grown-up. I know what I'm but doing. But you know what? None of them harm. They no. can only help. Yeah. And it, it gives, perhaps in some cases, in, enough help is to show the other person, I'm serious about this, I'm trying to be the best parent I can be in these circumstances. Yeah, I've actually done some of these courses. Um, not that I think that I'm a shit mum or anything, but it's mainly because... Um, I want to know what I'm recommending to clients. Yeah. I want to be able to say, look, this one actually might help you. And, and it's not just always about um, how to parent a child. It's also how to deal with the other party, how to co-parent effectively. Yeah. Communication is absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, we've talked, I mean, ideally you have a post-relationship, friendly relationship with your, your child's other parent. But sometimes that's hard. There can be all sorts of reasons that relationships break down, but if there are issues to do with trust or if there's been infidelity and trust issues, that can be hard to overcome. That's right. But communication with them about the children is absolutely vital. Um, if you can't talk to the other person or you find it intimidating or you find it overwhelming, what would be a good way to get in touch with them or to keep those lines of communication well, open? Well, there's all those little apps now, isn't there? Um, like our family wizard app and things like that. You can have it so that... Yeah, we don't well, get a commission, by the way, no. on that. Well, there, there's heaps of them. That's the only one that I remember. Because well, when talk, I first talking started, parents is another one. I see, think. when I when I first started doing um, family law, there wasn't an, such a th- there wasn't an app. There just that just didn't that concept didn't exist. No. So we used to have what we, um, we used to recommend a communication book. So it was oh like God, a little those note- things were awful. Weren't yeah. They? So we used to have a little notebook, and sometimes <laughs> you know sometimes they still were okay. But in hindsight, I never really thought about it at the time. But you know, you'd you'd chuck in all the little messages that you want to send to to Billy's dad and get in there chuck it in his backpack and then he'd, and Billy's dad would pick it up when he picks up Billy from school and read all the messages and you sort of think but Billy can read mm. you know what about this whole keeping it all separate from the kids and yeah, I, I don't know I was just like I think some parents couldn't help themselves with the poison pen with yeah, those books as I just, well I, d- I never really gave that a thought until now thinking when I when sometimes when they go oh I don't really want to use an app I don't like apps I don't like technology da 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 and I'm like okay well you can go to the old school way of using this communication book if you wanted to and it's only in recent times that I've really thought about going Really? <laughs> you just, it, it's fine. You know? I guess it's fine to use those things if you are simply communicating things like schedules or if yeah. the children need medication, like yep. how that's going, or special dietary requirements, things like that. And, you know, it's a practical thing to do in some ways. It, it almost involves the child in looking after themselves and growing a little bit of independence if they're starting to sort of keep records themselves. But it's more about how do parents who struggle to communicate with each other communicate civilly? And uh, those apps can work quite well. And mm. they, they have that thing which we lawyers like because they create a bit of an audit trail of the, all of those historic messages. That's right. Be, be very, very aware of everything that you send in a text, everything you send in an email, everything you post on social media. You should always assume that at some point a judge might read that and what are they going to think? 
Oh God! So keep those. I'm getting off social media. No, I'm kidding. No, keep, well, social media. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's one of the things that you have to talk to a client about yep. or a person going through this problem is, whatever you do, don't criticize the other parent. In yeah. The, in, on, you, you might do it privately with a friend, and that's up to you. But if you do it out there in the public, well, well, you could be defaming somebody to start with, and you could mm. find yourself being sued for defamation. Not very likely, but quite possible. And then, but you're also creating a situation where that child or your children, you're, you're bagging their mum or you're bagging their dad, and that's not very nice for them. That's not, you know, that undermines your own child. So think carefully about that. Obviously, it creates a lovely evidence for the other side should you be unlucky enough to wind up in court at some point. Uh, but it's a, it's a very bad vibe for the children. Yeah, well, I've noticed, um, I've seen cases where, you know, mum will say to child, oh, well, you know, tell your father, you know, that, you are you, you need some money for this and tell your father you need some money for that or or it happens you know, all the time. And my advice is don't use your child as a messenger because that's just not going to be cool. Um, the child's gonna get confused. The child's gonna think, Okay, well why why isn't dad paying this money? Yep. Why does mum have to ask for the money? Why and when he says no, well, you know, you're putting like then dad's gonna be in the bad books and that may be the aim. Well, Maybe to have that. There's, that, there's know, no good that outcome to that, is there? All that's going to do is create problems. It puts and the makes child it, right yeah. in the middle. Yeah, and then it makes it difficult, even more hard, for parties to co-parent. So you're back at square one. So whatever yeah. you do, don't use your child as a, in, an intermediary to pass on these messages. No, I mean, it, in most cases, of course, both mum and dad will have equal shared parental responsibility and that simply means that when it comes to making big decisions for the children, not what they have for breakfast or what shoes they're wearing that day, but what schools do they go to, what's their cultural, religious upbringing going to be, medical treatments, things like that, you need to be able to agree with those things. You need to be able to make those decisions for the children. That's and, right. And not based around you know, your proprietary interest or your antipathy towards your ex. So super important that you work on your own communication skills and rise above it. Don't bite at everything that's said to you. And for goodness sake, don't post anything in any f electronic form that can be captured and then used subsequently. Um, I, I do have uh, uh, recollections of listening to extensive recordings because some you know, some parents will use, we, we have, again, these smartphones everywhere these days and other, other devices that we use, where people will record their ex, they'll record them over yep. the telephone, they'll record them over changeovers, and it's very, very easy to manipulate a reaction from somebody. And if yeah. they don't know they're being recorded, that can sound a hundred times worse than the real context would provide for. So be careful. If you if you want to record those communications, then you need to be saying to the other person, this is what I'm doing um, for these reasons. Well, my one recently... Um, avoid it if you can. It's going through the courts and... And mum has actually asked the child to record, to bait dad and record dad going off. And the child's been doing it. Oh, my days. And it's, um, it's terrible. It's absolutely shocking. And I've just said, I've said to my client, I said, look, you're going to have to just zip it. You know, A, it's probably not appropriate that you just go off your head at your child anyway, but just zip it um, because it's not going to be helpful um, and you're playing straight into the other party's hands. It just, yeah. I guess if I had a takeaway message for anybody in that sort of post-separation parenting universe is don't draw the children into grown-up disputes. Yep. Let them enjoy their childhood. 
it's a, it's going to take a different shape than the one that it has been taking. So that's an adjustment for them. They need support. They don't need to be drawn into your arguments with your ex. It's nothing to do with them. The I, that, that was a really good point you made about asking for money. That happens all the yeah. time. And then all that does, you know, there's nobody wins out of that because no. the child that's asking for it feels awkward about asking for it. The money's either given um, and the items are purchased, but that's then brooding resentment from the paying parent or it's re- or it's refused. And then the child feels they've let down one parent and they've annoyed the other parent. There's just absolutely no way no. you should be doing that. You know, ask him, ask your dad to buy you a pair of shoes this weekend, all of that. That's that's not how it goes. You're a grown up. You talk to each other. That's right. And if you can't talk to other in person, then you talk to each other through an app or through respectful messages. But, uh, it is frustrating sometimes because there's a lot of good people out there trying to do the right thing for their children, then they then they are being baited or they are being drawn into these sort of post separation battles for absolutely no good purpose. Um, I'll, I'll go back and talk about a legally thing now that you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, parenting plans, parenting orders. Um, just briefly sort of explain what you mean, that w- explain the difference between those two things. So the parenting plan, that's a, just a written document, a written agreement between the parties that has been signed off by both um, both parents. And it can say where the child lives, where the child's going to spend some time, who they're going to spend time with, how often that's going to be. Um, and it can set out a whole range of um, basically just living uh, living arrangements and care arrangements for your child. So that's a, that's a plan. That's a plan. Don't need court approval. You don't even need legal advice on it. But I do recommend that you you get some legal advice on it, only so that you've got everything covered. Yeah, yeah. I might come back to what specifics that we put into these or these orders yep. and plans in a bit. Uh, but orders, orders, by contrast. So similar sort of thing, but you do need to have it lodged with the court and with. The, when I say court, I mean the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia. The yeah. fcfcoa.gov.au, some one. great resources on there. Genuinely, um, have a look at it. And you would file an application for consent orders, which is a form that has all the just a series of questions and answers. Um, and then you also attach the document which you call a consent order, which is just, again, it's a written out, um, it's, it's your agreement set out in writing, but it's worded slightly differently it's sort of saying instead of there being paragraphs you're talking about these orders so the orders that the child lives with mum or the child lives with dad and so it still sets out the parenting arrangements and the care arrangements for the child or children um, but it needs to be approved by the court and the court to approve it they must think that it's in the best interest of the child okay. for those orders to be made and then if you if you go down the orders road instead of the parenting plan road that's there. It's in black and white, but they've been. I know when I've drafted it's these, it's enforceable, yep. and that's the difference between a plan and an order. And yep. a plan is it's a flexible, agreed set of arrangements, but yep. you, you can't hit somebody over the head with it legally. You can't enforce it. You can't drag somebody to court because it's just a parenting plan. Yep. Having said that, if you are uh, if you have a good, cordial, a friendly co-parenting relationship then a parenting plan might be all you ever need yeah. it just gives you both a little bit of understanding of what and sometimes and sometimes when your arrangements maybe that it's not practical there might be some practical difficulties that you need to have some sort of arrangement in place that the court may th- may raise some eyebrows and say oh i don't really think that's in the best inter- interest of the child you need to convince me sometimes there are some arrangements that are out there yeah. that the courts be they don't know your family that well it might be just some somewhat a bit different um and sometimes it might be better that you just have it as a parenting plan rather than an order 
because you're not going to get the order from the court because the court seem to think they know better. Arvin Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You will be in safe hands with Arvin Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arvinlegal.com.au. Despite, as you say, very rarely knowing anything about the family yeah. themselves directly, other than what they've read like on a I piece had, of paper. Yeah, I had one where the mum and, and child, who's only little, wanted to move home to New Zealand, um, which meant that dad would spend time with the child. And the, the proposed order was at times when they're agreed and because they they were fairly amicable and there was no issue with that, but it was just saying on, you know, four times a year for this amount of time. And... Then the court came back and said, "No, I'm not going to make that order. I don't believe it's in the best interest of the child. Why? Why can't they, the parents, be having? Why can't the child have meaningful time with both parents? I'm like, well, because one wants to move back to New Zealand, and they both agree, and, and they both agree they are consenting adults. So it's really tricky um, sometimes, like particularly with the real young ones, like yeah. the real like two year olds, three year olds, even and Pre- anything anything preschool is yeah. always problematic. You're going to yeah. most likely often." get a bit of requisition from the court about why that's in the best interest of the child. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that sometimes I might write in either plans or especially in plans, um, quite often these days in orders as well, is some sort of a a review process. Yeah. Uh, If it's particularly the younger the child, the more frequent the reviews are likely to be. You don't know what they're going to grow up to be like. You don't. No, that's (laughs) right. Speaking from experience. So, okay. So what? let's go through what we might include then in, in, say, a court order. So the first thing we might do is to decide who's going to make decisions for the children. Yep. and parental responsibility. Parental responsibility. So that's going to be probably the first thing that we decide. So they're know. your obligations as a parent. Yeah, those are your responsibilities that sometimes people confuse as rights. But mm. no. normally, if there's no risk of harm, that's going to be a joint process. Yep. That's mum and dad making long decisions of a major long-term nature for and the children. Healthcare, education, religion... Like where they live, yeah, know, within significant things in the children's yeah. lives. Where we're not talking about whether they do ballet or, or baseball. No, that doesn't count. No. Okay. The next thing is really going to be, and I won't go into exact detail about any of no. these things, is living arrangements. So, who they live with, yep. be it mum, be it dad, and if it's not going to be equal time, you know, sort of a one week with mum, one week with dad, uh, which can happen and can work. Um, then what will that time be? So you might live with one parent more than the other. Yeah. And then it could be the every other weekend plus some time in the other week. And then you go through holiday arrangements. Special days, Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays, yeah. Easter, Christmas. Yeah. Those sorts of things. And and then you put in other provisions normally around both parents being able to go to school events, both people being able to um, obtain information from doctors. You keep each other informed about what's going on yep. with the kids. You keep them informed about your own contact information. Yeah, address and you things might, like that. You might, if you're going to be using an app, you might want to insert that you're going to be using an app and that you'll both be paying for that. Um, very much, you need to build some flexibility in around those sort of um, arrangements because um, it wasn't all that long ago that everybody you know, was using different types of software you know, mm. or no software. It was communication books and 
and then it was apps and, and then the video calls have changed and now it's FaceTime but you know what two years time it could be a different type of video that's call. right so build a bit of flexibility in around the communication I always put in all of mine just saying like I preface all of these orders with the, unless otherwise agreed yeah so you've got that little I might, I might add in in writing in between writing, the parties yeah. <laughs> so you've basically you know so that then you're using that order as a backup yeah it's a it's a platform that you, you you've got there as for when you can't agree things yeah which is really helpful. And if you're doing consent orders, I think that that's absolutely sensible anyway because you should be having a respectful, wouldn't necessarily be a friendly relationship, but you know, at least a respectful and polite relationship with the other person. So we've got, we've got our special days, we've got our holidays, we've got our communication, we've got our education and, and medical information out there. As I say, when they're, especially with younger children, I like to put a review provision in there. Yep. Even if it just requires people to think, we are going to need to keep this under review because you mm. know, and the mechanism so that you know yeah. it's not run back off to court no definitely no, go through a, go through like a mediator process yeah. or you know family dispute resolution practitioner the other things i like to if you know if things aren't that great um between you or there's trust issues and you're sort of scraping through to get yourself an agreement here um i would often try and put in there just some like um, things about having that mutual respect and and not bagging the other person out and yeah, non-denigration. Yeah, so that's the the lawyerish um, term for it. But in terms of for the the lay people out there, just having those sorts of um, clauses in there that you're not going to use your child to pass to relay messages. You're not going to yeah. you're going to give them privacy when they're having time with the other parent and um, not ask them questions about. Yeah. And these things are all things that we spell out in orders. Yeah. That and literally, it's a, that it's a court order that you won't drag the children into those conversations. And I find it hilarious when people say, oh, no, I'm not going to agree to that. I don't think that we need to have that. Well, okay, that's it's almost like saying you're disagreeing to an order that you're going to be of good behaviour. Yeah. Like, well, okay, <laughs> why, what's wrong with you? But, you know, if you're going to be fine, if you're going to be of good behaviour, what's the problem in agreeing to that order? If you're going to not use your child if you're not going to use your child to pass messages well by all means um then there should be no problem in agreeing to an order like that it just protects you for later on and it puts a bit of a red flag up to the other person if you won't agree yeah to an order that's simply saying yep i'm going to be a decent human being and have my children's interests first and i'll give them privacy and i'll make sure they get to see or spend time with the other parent and speak to them and facilitating like making sure that it's not just about you know this is one of the areas that we often see there's a bit of a argument about is the communication so you know mum's got to make the the kids got to ring at 6 30 on every tuesday night and talk to dad for an hour whether it be video or telephone or whatever else and you know (laughs) having having an hour's conversation with a two-year-old can be a little bit of a stretch you know it's sort of like it's it having those mechanisms in place for the okay well and if it, they're not available then having some sort of backup of you know then mum to facilitate within the next three days or within that week or you know just having those other options there so it's it's as you say before remains really flexible yeah and, and again building upon those lines of communication it's not unfrequent or infrequent i should say um to suggest or, or to require people through court orders to do a post-separation parenting course. And again, that's just about building a bit of trust up with the other person and showing yep. I'm, I'm willing to 
try my best to improve my communication skills for the sake of our children. And there's nothing to be lost by doing those things. The other thing that I'd one other final thing that I'd probably chuck in an order or a parenting plan is in relation or in a, an order as such, but is in relation to passports. Yeah. Because that's often comes up and it's that's something that no one really thinks well, not no one, but people will often forget about it when they're going through these custody battles and they're trying to work out an arrangement because they're not really thinking holidays and jet setting at that point in time. But, you know, fast track a couple of years and they're thinking of holidays, going somewhere and oh, okay, we've got to get um, little Billy his passport organised and we don't have a passport. So and if you've got both parents are on the birth certificate, then both parents have to sign off on that passport application. You can't just go and get a, a passport without the cooperation of the other party. So Not it's always an a idea. Court order, you can't know that's no. Right. And so it's always an idea that when you're thinking if you're going to be thinking of parenting orders and parenting plans is to actually have um, well mainly the order because the parenting plan isn't going to assist you there but the parenting order um, that allows you to apply for the passport if you need to. Yeah, uh, and it's not that unusual. It depends upon how, how how much anger there is between the parents as to who's going to hold on to the passport. Yep. But certainly in our safe custodies, we, we hold passports for, in some cases, uh, for a number of years. And it's not ideal, but it can, you can work around those things where one of your solicitors might hold them instead if there's yep. a lot of mistrust. But yeah, it's a good idea to put those travel arrangements in there because it allows you to think about you know, going into the future, you know, mm. your five-year-old child and out will be will be ten soon, and you might want to go off on a longer holiday, and that might mean a you know, bit of flexibility from the other parent. So you write it in your order now, and it's you know, what we do, I suppose, as lawyers, is to get our little crystal balls out and write the arrangements that we can think of in those orders. Um, one thing that I—it's not speci- uh, specifically a legal thing, but. Do you ever um, give any advice to your clients about how they need to talk to the children about what's going on? I try not to talk. Um, and, and I try not to talk full stop. No. You're that's, not very that's, good at that. That's crime. not a – no, I'm pretty bad at that. No, I – look, I think – I don't do it with all my clients, but I find that sometimes when you get to that stage in your lawyer-client relationship where you can – I think – you sort of step away from being so legal all the time and you sort of merge into that. Look, maybe if you approach it this way and you'll you'll, you'll give them little tips of how to broach the topic with your child. Um, and But it is a tricky, it's a tricky one because it is always case by case. Um, yeah, there's, there's very little sort of formal guidance from yeah. you know, law societies and legislation and things like that. I do with certain clients, but mm. there'll be other clients where I just I just keep it that very formal relationship. But it's, I guess it depends. Um, it's the ones that, you know, if they're listening, they they know which ones I give the what I call the the different type of advice to, because okay. um, they they're the ones that cop cop the um, the my advice at all different hours of the day when I've got kids in tow and whatever else. But um, yeah, sometimes sometimes I do go into that sort of that area of trying to help them yeah. um, in having those difficult conversations. But I I usually because I don't know their kids, I don't know um, the only person I really know in that dynamic is is my client. Yeah, and so sometimes I'll actually say, look, this is something that you need to pour yourself a glass of wine, have a chat to your mum, have a chat to your sister, you know 
get some tips from them because they know your family. Yeah, and you need to lean on your family for these sort of support arrangements, family and friends, and, yeah. and you know, external people as well. You might um, benefit from a psychologist, or you might benefit from a counsellor, or experts in those sorts of fields that can help you if there's difficult yeah. things to communicate about. Look, you know, mum and dad are going to be living in different houses now, or. Take a little bit of time, do some research for yourself. You know what the dynamic of your family is. And the most important message I usually try and give, give to my clients is to make sure that they are reassuring their children that you know they are loved and they're desired by both parents and yeah, they're going right. to be supported. And it's just going to be a, it's going to be a new arrangement, but it'll be fine. Mm. Um, but get as much sort of external help as you can and prepare yourself for having those conversations if it's if it's if the children aren't expecting it particularly. You'll you'll be surprised though. In more cases than not, the children have been waiting for this to happen because there's only so many times that doors can be slammed and people can be driving off in a huff. That it doesn't translate to the children. No, the kids know what's going on. They do. They do. And they know when it's not a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. Well, we won't get too much in, into those sort of other friends in relationships. Alex has um, got nothing to say. No, no, no. Um, all right, well, that sort of covers a little bit about some of the parenting after separation considerations that we have to have. But if you've been listening to this podcast and you've got any specific questions, we, we'd uh, be happy to talk about those on a future episode or we can just get in touch with us through the podcast website. And thank you very much for listening to Split Happens. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good ones.